Hello and welcome to the Lancet podcast. I'm Richard Lane on Friday, June the 5th. Now, human papillomavirus or HPV vaccination to protect against cervical cancer is a topical and sometimes controversial issue. Previously, attention has focused on young girls and adolescents. But what about slightly older women in their 20s, 30s and 40s? We'll find out more in a moment after a quick run through this week's issue of The Lancet dated June the 6th to the 12th. Starting off with a health policy piece in this week's issue, which worryingly points out how countries who have chosen to adopt UN declarations on human rights show no increased or improvement in health status of their populations. We run editorials about the United States Centers for Disease Control, the use of primates in biomedical research, and we discuss the standards of academic center press releases. There is a comment item that we could all benefit from, translating statistical findings into plain English. And another comment launches Thomas Wackley Prize essay competition, with a special twist this year being that the first ever Wackley Prize essay awarded a few years ago is read in full by our editor, Dr Richard Horton. In research, aside from HPV vaccination, which we'll discuss in a moment... We run some articles previously published online before print. The CLOTS trial assesses the use and efficacy of compression stockings to prevent DVT after stroke. And we have a research article looking at the devastating effect of sexual violence against women in Swaziland. But let's return to the research article looking at human papillomavirus vaccination, this time aimed at women 24 to 45 years of age. Earlier, I spoke to the principal investigator of this study, Professor Nubia Munez, who is Professor of Epidemiology at the International Agency for Research on Cancer, based in Lyon, France. Professor Munez, many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet. Before we go into the details of the study, can you just briefly summarise where we are overall in vaccine development against HPV? HPV infection is one of the most common infections in the world, one of the most common sexually transmitted infections. And there are about 110 different HPV types. Out of these, about 40 are known to infect the genital tract. And out of these 40 types, four types, that means 6, 11, 16, and 18, cause the great majority of HPV-related diseases, 16 and 18, are responsible for about 70% of cervical cancer and a great majority of cancers of the vulva, vagina, penis, anus, and oropharynx. And HPV 6 and 11 are responsible for about 90% of genital warts and a great proportion of low-grade lesions. That's why the vaccines, there are two vaccines, two prophylactic vaccines that have been developed. One contains VLP for 16 and 18, that is Cervarix from GlaxoSmithKline, and the other contains VLP or antigens for HPV 16, 18, 6, and 11. Both vaccines have been shown to be very efficacious for the prevention of high-grade precancerous lesions of the service in women 16 to 26 years old. In addition, the quadrivalent vaccine of Gardasil has been shown to be also efficacious for the prevention of high-grade precancerous lesions of the vulva, of the vagina, and of genital warts. 
And this study in question, this concerns vaccination against population of women aged 24 to 45. Why is this particular group of older women important? Well, this age group of women is important because although the peak age of the infection with HPV is in the 10 years that follow initiation of sexual intercourse, that means between 15 and 25, after 25 women remain at risk of acquiring the HPV infection. And especially during the last three decades had been changes in sexual behavior and and social behavior because women tend to marry later, their divorce rates are increasing and all this led to widespread premarital sex and acquisition of new partners. This will, of course, pose these women of this age group a high risk of getting the infection. Indeed, and the study itself, can you just briefly outline uh, the methodology here? I'm particularly interested in the, the combined primary endpoint and also the difference between comparing the efficacy analysis with the intention to treat analysis? Well, this study was designed as a efficacy bridging study in the studies uh, already performed in uh, women 16 to 26. The endpoints that were used to evaluate the efficacy of the vaccine was high-grade disease of the cervix or the vagina or the vulva. In this study, it was decided that we should combine the incidence of infections with the vaccine types with the disease related to these four types. In this way, the size of the study will be smaller and the time period of follow-up will be shorter. So we use two co-primary efficacy endpoints. One was the combined incidence of HP 6, 11, 16, 18, related infection of at least six months duration and the incidence of cervical and external genital disease. That means CIN, VIN, vein, cervical, vulvar, or vaginal cancers, and genital warts. And the second co-primary endpoint was the combined incidence of HPV 16 or 18 infection or diseases related to these two types. So with these two endpoints, there were two types of statistical analysis performed. In the first analysis, that is called per-protocol efficacy analysis, the women who were included in the study were women that were negative by serology to their vaccine types at day one and PCR negative from day one through month seven. Just before we go on, does that, that group of women then, if they were negative for HPV and for PCR, does that mean they, they had never had any exposure to any of the four types of HPV in the vaccine? Yes. Does, yes, that, does, that mean, does that mean they were sexually naive or was that just chance? No, this is chance probably. Yeah. In addition, these were all active women. Eh? The women included in this study were sexually active. So in addition to being negative to the vaccine types, they should have had received the free vaccine doses within one year 
and they should have, have at least one follow-up visit after month, one or more follow-up visits after month seven. And the cases were counted starting at month seven. The other population is more relaxed population, is called intention to treat, and include all women that were randomized into the study. There are two main populations, the women that were negative to the vaccine types, that means susceptible women, and also women who were positive to the vaccine types, one or more vaccine types at day one, who had antibodies, and even uh, those women who got only one dose of the vaccine were included. So this was a population or analysis closer to, to what may happen in real life when vaccines will be given to a given population. Thank you for that. And could you just describe the vaccine itself, what, what its characteristics are like? The vaccine is a quadrivalent vaccine that contains VLPs, of HPV 6, 11, 16, and 18. It's a recombinant vaccine that is made in yeast and is used with the adjuvant produced by the company, Merck. It's administered in um, intramuscular injections in three doses, um, months 0, 2, and 6. And in terms of summarizing results, you've clearly explained the two groups here. So with the intention to treat analysis, which as you say, the relaxed group that includes all women, women who are maybe HPV, some types HPV positive as well as negative, you would expect the vaccine to be less efficacious than in the per protocol analysis where women were negative. Exactly. And this is what happened when you use the co-primary endpoint, the first co-primary endpoint, that means the incidence of infection or lesions associated with the four vaccine types. In the per-protocol analysis, the efficacy was 90.5%, while in the intention-to-treat analysis, the efficacy was 31%. And, of course, this lower effectiveness of the vaccine is explained because, as I say, we include not only susceptible women but also women that already got infection or the disease, and since the vaccine is prophylactic only to prevent infection or disease and is not therapeutic, so the vaccine didn't have any effect on the women that were already exposed to the virus. That's an interesting finding, isn't it? So how would you conclude or interpret these results, as you've just said, that the vaccine for this population of women is only going to be really effective for women who have not seroconverted to the human papillomavirus? This vaccine, as what this study shows, is that if you give the vaccine to women that are susceptible, that means women that have no encounter, the four vaccine types, the vaccine is very efficacious to prevent infection, independently of age of the women, could be 16 or could be 45. The vaccine is very efficacious. But at the population level, we had to realize that women between 25 and 45 are sexually active and have chances to have encountered at least one of these four types. And this is what we found in this population. 33% of the women were positive to one or other of the four vaccine types. In this 
group, the vaccine is not going to do anything. Is why the the intention to treat efficacy is around 30%. This means that at the personal level, if a woman of this age wants to have the vaccine, she may have it. At the, from the public health point of view, it's a bit more delicate because I guess the health authorities would like to know how this vaccine will work in comparison with established prevention strategies already that is screening. Yes, that was my question, the implications for screening, because from a public health point of view, you wouldn't want to go and screen a large population of women for a significant portion the vaccine wouldn't be effective. Either a screening based on HPV testing and cytology, the ongoing cytology, the screening that is ongoing in UK, for example, based in, in cytology, I hope this will be in in a short term converted to HPV typing screening. These women may benefit more from a good screening program than from the vaccine. But at the personal level, if the woman wants to get the vaccine, knowing that the benefit will be partial because she may have been exposed to one or, or two types of the vaccine, is up to her. I think that's a very good point. Pleasure talking to you, Professor Munoz. Uh, Many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet. Thank you very much. Many thanks to Professor Nubia Munoz. See you next week.